It's time for the chip race. Hello and welcome to the Chip Race, Ireland's weekly poker podcast. I'm your host David Lappin alongside Darrow Kearney and tonight we are joined by poker player and sports better Neil Channing, online poker beast Nick Rounder63 Carrillo and Scoop.f4 main event winner Jason Tompkins. Dara Davey will bring us all the news including a report from the UK IPT Nottingham and I'll ask Darrow Kearney whether online poker is rigged. But first... Dara, you're a poker player now. You used to uh, run, represent Ireland in long distance races. What level of crossover is there between those two disciplines? Um, I guess that there's probably two things I would say. One is that uh, you're doing the same thing repetitively for a very long time, whether it's playing poker or, or running around in a circle. And the other thing is the sheer importance of the mental side, um, because, you know, Running for 24 hours is a huge mental challenge and playing poker for a long time, similarly, uh, it's mostly, it, well, it's a, entirely a mental thing. And what would you say uh, was the toughest part when you were running of those long, long races? You did you used to 72-mile races and 24-hour races and that kind of distance. Yeah, the longest distance I did was 24-hour races. And, um, I mean, when you say that to people who don't know about running for 24 hours, they, they, they it's kind of unimaginable to them what it's like. But to be honest, the toughest part of it 24 hour race is between like hours 6 and 20 <laughs> um, the, the like the first 6 hours you're still pretty fresh and uh, you're okay um, and the last 4 hours you know it's nearly over so uh, you're, you're quite happy but the, that, that middle 14 hours tends to drag when, when you say that those last 4 hours you perk up like I can imagine obviously psychologically you're thinking okay my body's in bits but I'm, I'm going to get there I'm nearly there um, but that, surely your body is just like you always talk to me about how your, your feet had swollen up mm. the pain must be something tremendous yeah but it comes back to what I was saying that it's, it's primarily mental because your mind knows that it's nearly over uh, suddenly these things don't seem as bad as as, as, as they did at like four o'clock in the morning when you were dragging yourself around and you thought I still have another 10 hours to run um, the other thing is the way the 24 hour races tend to run they usually start like early morning like nine o'clock ten o'clock okay. so the the, the the nightly hours are very very difficult but then when you get to say 5am 6am the sun actually comes up and that basically gives you a boost as well and the first race I ran in Canada the first 24 hour race it was striking that everybody around 3am 4am looked like a, uh, a shuffling zombie and you thought these people are not going to be able to run for another 7 or 8 hours but then as soon as the sun came up suddenly every, it was like you know everybody woke up and started actually uh, being normal running human beings again and to what degree does that almost masochism that you must have how does that translate to poker obviously we take beats all day long but you know you, you might do a 14 16 hour Sunday session you know what what what's uh, in what way has that mental strength kind of can be brought to the table yeah, there I, I, I think it probably it definitely helps to be a, a, mas- a masochist um, uh, in fact I, think I heard Tommy Angelo made a great point about tournament poker once which he said that with tournament poker the the pain equation is out of whack because most of us won't do things where we get far more pain than we get um, pleasant experiences. But in tournament poker, that's always the way. Unless you win a tournament, you're never completely happy. So you have far more negative experiences, far more pain than you have um, positive experiences and, and the pleasure of winning. And it's, it's pretty much the same in 24-hour running. I mean, even the the great moments of, you know, where, where, where you feel like you've achieved something your body's in bits at that point and the training's really hard mm. and how long would it take you to recover after something like that uh, surprisingly short period I think for most people I would generally be able to walk around reasonably normally three or four days later and I'd be back out running um, six or seven days later and how long does it take you to recover after doing your bollocks on a Sunday uh, I wake up on Monday morning and I'm fine 
Okay. And, and why is that? Is that bounce back ability? It's just programmed now? Or is is there a, a point at which, oh, that was a lot of pain. I actually, I did a big Sunday. I actually lost six or seven grand or some 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 really substantial amount. Does it does it make you go, oh, I might just take a day off? Yeah, I think as you get older, you probably dwell on the past more. But I think um, I'm particularly stupid, so I just forget stuff. I wake up the next morning and I completely forget what happened the day before. So that, that definitely helps. Our next guest has made WSOP, EPT, UKIPT, Scoop, WCOOP and Sunday Million final tables. Well, last week, Jason Tompkins added a Scoop.f4 main event to that list, not only final tabling it, but actually winning the event for over €40,000. I caught up with Jason at Dublin Airport on his way back from UKIPT Nottingham. First of all, Jason, congrats on your big win. Thank you very much. Amazing score. Uh, French Scoop main. Slightly unusual event in that it was uh, one of those three-dayers where, you know, I think you played until, what, like half the field were gone day one? Um. Definitely day one, yeah. Uh, say there was about maybe sixteen hundred players left going into day two. Okay. I think there was only over four thousand players began the tournament. So. And then day two, they played from that all the way down to the all final the way table. Down to the final table. Yeah. So that was a long day. Until I think it stopped at five a.m., six a.m. Wow. Yeah, so that was. And then what time were you back at? I wasn't back till seven p.m. the next day. So. Got a nice sleep. Yeah, yeah. And you went into that final table four of nine. Did that allow you to do anything, sort of prepare in advance for the final um, table? You got to sleep on it, have a think? I did, yeah. I was talking to Doc quite a bit about it as well, so that was really good. And he gave me some uh, ICM pointers and stuff. So Can you tell really us a few of those? Yeah, sure. Um, it was just basically making sure I'd concentrate on attacking fifth and sixth stacks. Because seven and eight... And ninth as well were extremely short, so they have nothing they to lose. Themselves, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. So I was just trying to pick on two guys mainly, and then stay away from the other big stacks as much as I could, really. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, do you think that it's a it's a, like good players benefit from the from the break, or do you think it's a disadvantage because maybe the weaker players get a chance to cram a bit or get maybe better friends of theirs to help them? Oh, I think it's an advantage for better players. Okay. Yeah. Um, just like that, I get to talk to friends who really know a lot about final tables, ICM, and so on, and go through hands, and I think it's much better. Yeah. It's also a momentum factor for recreational players. Yeah. I know what you mean. Uh, And quick on the heels of that score, you just cashed the UKIPT Nottingham main event as well. We're back in the airport now, having been out there all weekend. Did you play any other events or was it just the main? Uh, Just the main. I played a small bit of cash as well, but yeah, primarily it was just the main this time. And how did that go? Pretty well. Uh, Finished 85th, slightly over a main cash. I was delighted with it, to be honest, because I haven't really uh, popped out of UKIPT in... Oh, maybe two years, close to two years now. Yeah, yeah, as people probably are aware, you've spent the last couple of years in Australia. Um, game probably changed quite a bit since then. Like, I, everyone always talks every year, everyone's getting better and whatever. What are the big differences you've noticed between, you know, when you left and now that you're back playing a bit of the Irish scene? I guess people defend under big blind a lot more. Yeah. Definitely is number one. So, I did play a lot of cash games out in Australia, so I think I've improved on my turn and river decisions, which actually helped me immediately. Once I came back here, um, I said to good players, like even yourselves, and when I was discussing stuff with Joe, he was like, 
really informative things I've missed out on over the last 18 months because I've changed games and yeah and is it weird coming back to tournaments now and getting back into the tournament groove it is because I do feel really rusty I was saying to Dara as well just day two I was kind of like made a day two in a while so yeah, yeah. I feel a bit rusty here but um, I'm sure it'll come back to me yeah, yeah, well, it seems to be coming back already. Yeah, we got the cash, so that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, well, you know, a few weeks ago I mentioned to the guys that, uh, you know, I think you were one of our quiz questions, in fact, that uh, we'd said that you'd made uh, Scoop and W Coop final tables online, and you also made the Millie final table, and then Live and EPT and the UKIP, then you've added, obviously, that French Scoop to it. Do, do, you, do you look at your career in that way? Would you look at those kind of results and go, oh, well, I've kind of, I've made final tables in all these different formats now, like, that's a, an ambition? Or, or is that just the way it's gone? I think it's just the way it's gone, really. Yeah. Okay. I'm lucky enough in that respect. Um, it's nice to have a list of tournaments you've done well in, so yeah, very happy with that. Yeah, well, that's a resume that I think we'd all be. We're all a bit yeah. jealous of. Definitely. I won't complain, <laughs> that's for sure. Well, listen, great catching up with you. Thank you very much. I wish you well over the next little while. What's next, maybe Marbella? Marbella, we deadly. Yeah, yeah, Marbella sounds good. I think good. you're selling that to me. Yeah, 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 no... Have a little chat about the, the, the sun holidays, never yeah. bad. Sounds good. Okay, great right. talking to you, Jason. Thanks, Dave. It's time for Dara Davey with the news. Thanks, Dave. UKIPT Nottingham was held this weekend at Dustville Dawn Card Club. After four day ones, 914 people entered with 112 re-entries, creating a prize pool of £1,026,000. In the end, Sam Mitten Lawrence walked away with the £182,000 first place prize, defeating Trevor Pearson heads up, who amazingly finished third in this event last year. 2013 Irish Open winner Patrick Clark added to his rapidly growing resume, finishing in fourth place for £58,100. Other notable finishes included Kalinda Cully Sidhu, who placed sixth, Ben Vinson, who just fell short of the final table in 12th place, and former UK IPT champion Sergio Edo, who finished in 16th place. In the online world, the cop man final tabled the Sunday Million for the second time in his poker career this weekend, finishing in 6th place for $41,800. Daniel Tai continued his recent hot streak nabbing wins in the Pokestars Friday 538 game and 215 Turbo re-entry for $12,000 combined. And finally, in a move that would potentially lead to me getting the sack, I forgot to mention Carl Schein, Tim Farrelly and Ludovic Gelich, all of whom had big wins last week. I'm really sorry. Yeah, Dara, just to pick up there, uh, Trevor Pearson, uh, obviously pretty sick for him to go back to back like that. Um, you know, they're just huge fields in, in Nottingham. It's even more sick. He doesn't play outside Dustle Dawn from what I can see. It's like he's so the last UK IPT he played was the one he finished third in and now he's finished second in this one. And, and hasn't got, had a result since? And nothing of any note, no. Wow, <laughs> well look, you know, obviously one of the, the DTD regulars there, uh, you know, back-to-back big score is pretty ridiculous. Paddy Clark, we were talking to him after his, you know, finish, obviously an amazing score, but he was really disappointed in the bar after. He was absolutely gutted, and I did have to keep kind of saying to him, you are £58,000 richer. <laughs> like, yeah, be, no. Be, be way more happy. Exactly, yeah, that stuff only kind of sinks in the next day, right? Right afterwards you just feel oh that was such a chance and I, and I know obviously he had the chip lead with four people left so I thought you know you know maybe it's going to be his day yeah um yeah it sounded all very standard to be honest it's like sure-handed poker so high variance it's just you can't win them all pretty much it's yeah I think he was opening almost every hand I think he just sensed that maybe he, he was the more aggressive player and he could use that to his advantage I think he talked to us about a hand where he opened 9-3 suited and flopped a flush draw and got it in against top pair and you know I guess those kind of things are going to be pretty standard when you're 
choosing that laggy route. Yeah, and when it doesn't work out, you feel terrible. But I think it will work out enough to justify it. Yeah, exactly. Amazing result as well for Cully. I know he'll be good at sixth place. He came in big chip leader into that one, but Cully plays fairly wild, and and I'm sure he was putting pressure on everyone from the from the get go. So. You know, I guess you live by the sword and die by the sword sometimes, but he's a fantastic player. He's going to be coming back pretty soon, I would have thought, with another score. Yeah, I was actually playing with him fairly deep in the tournament, and uh, he was so aggro. Like, he was opening every single hand. It was like, again, he's a, he's a type of guy who it will sometimes not work out and finish sixth, but he will put himself in a great position to win the tournament. Yeah, exactly. Copman, a bit of a mystery guy. I don't know his real name. Uh, you know, Sunday Million twice in your career like most people don't aren't going to make that once so that's, that's pretty stunning people, I don't think most people make the top 50 once <laughs> yeah exactly uh, well Copman if you're out there maybe make yourself more aware we'll, we'll give you a shout out next week's show uh, Daniel Tig, he's on fire at the moment that, that eight game that's probably the toughest tournament of the week yeah it's a really really elite field it's just everyone you know and playing eight games as well is like such a different skill test and to win it outright is amazing yeah well we know you're obviously a decent eight game player yourself you know how would you For, race formally. you know <laughs> <laughs> well no but how would you kind of look at a result like that in, in the context of a 500 buy-in all the best players like that's pretty sick it's really sick it's just so impressive it's such a tough thing to do and get through I mean it's obviously a smaller field but you're still like very elite like, yeah yeah super just, elite I don't think there's many fish in that tournament that yeah and, and you're worried you're getting the sack Dara is this, is this something you know uh, you're, you're genuinely considering uh, I was a bit embarrassed when I left the studio disgraceful last week. Kim Farley <laughs> especially of all people to leave him out it was quite bad as I did realise like five minutes after recording the bit I was like whoops well listen <laughs> no more mistakes hopefully we haven't forgotten anyone this week and you know Dara Davey he, he can stay with us as our anchor man yay Chip Race would love to hear from you Get in touch via Twitter at The Chip Race and find us on Facebook. We have a very special guest uh, today, Nick Carrillo, Rounder 63 online. I'm sure all of you online grinders out there are familiar and probably hate this man. Um, Just to give you a little bit of background on Nick, Nick has played 128,000 online tournaments. Uh, Darrow Kearney as as an online grinder. How many tournaments have you played? Lifetime, um, probably 40,000 maybe. 40,000, and, and, and you put in some sick volume, so this guy, three times that, that's that's pretty sick. Yeah, yeah, uh, this, this man's the sickest of them all. 8.4 million in overall winnings, 6.4 million in online tournament winnings, cashed in 10,000 online tournaments. You've cashed the WSOP main event twice in 2007, 2012. Welcome to the show, Nick Carrillo. Thank you very much, and it's, uh, it's Carrillo, stop saying it like a gringo. Uh, that's a force of habit Uh, Nick and I go back it goes back from day one sir Um, great to have you here Nick look this is a special treat for me we've we've been close friends uh, since I think back in 2007 maybe 2008 what I wanted to to ask you first and foremost is you're calling today from am I right in saying Nicaragua it's Nicaragua yes so what brings you there uh, my love, my life. <laughs> um, she's Nicaraguan, Vanessa. Um, we uh, decided to move here for the year and uh, enjoying it so far. It's very, they're very friendly people and it's a, it's a great country. And tell me now, you are part of this group of American professional online poker players. You're part of the lucky few who, who, who were able to move to, to relocate to uh, other territories so that you could continue playing. Let's flash back to 
2011, I think it was, yeah. when Black Friday sort of changed the entire poker landscape? Right. Um, I pretty much, I mean, it's, it's pretty crazy. The time's gone by so fast. Um, I, I remember it like yesterday. Um, I was uh, in a hurry trying to get to the uh, some tournament at Caesars. And uh, I was walking with my friend, and he's like, did you hear the news? And I'm like, well, what are you talking about? It's like online poker. It's it's the, the government's stepped in. They're, they're, they've seized everything. I'm like, what? We were looking at each other, and we're like, well, what do we what do we do? Do we do we go home? Like, what, do we? What, I mean, what what can we do? It was pretty devastating. And um, most of my friends in America were like, oh, it's not a big deal. They, there's too much money involved. They'll they'll figure it out. They'll fix things. And I I kept saying, I mean, if you've ever done anything with the the U.S. government, everything takes a very long time and is very complex and strung out and. I don't think this is going to be uh, an easy process. Yeah, it seems like it's been dragging on a while now. It's, it's basically four years, and, and like we hear individual states are going to regulate and allow, but it doesn't like there's a, seems like there's any major solution to where the US will come back en, en masse. So, Nick, let's go back to the beginning, to 2007. I think it's fair to say you had an inauspicious start to your career. I know you had initially tried to make it as a cash pro. That didn't work out, and so you moved to Colorado and were looking for a real job. So it's pretty much as, as rock bottom as you could possibly get no car, no money, living in a different state. Um, but uh, I, I had I had $200 left. And uh, I, I saw Full Tilt Poker had these new 45-man uh, sit-and-goes. I'm like, well, what are these, what are these things? So I, I put $200 on, and I, I looked myself in the mirror, and I'm like, Nick, you just, you got to... You got to do it. I know you could do it. And I decided that I was going to play this really super hyper aggressive style um, to the point of silliness. And if I'm going to lose, it's going to be with guns blazed. Like, I'm going to go out and try to dominate. And sure enough, these, these sit and goes were sitting with, I mean, as, as we would say, like, it seemed like we were playing with a bunch of old men just that weren't playing. And, and I started making ridiculous amount of money pretty quickly and after a couple of weeks of uh grinding these 45 man sitting goes i'm like man i i can make this work this was a time in online poker when i think like anyone who was playing then will remember so well and so with such uh nostalgia uh it couldn't have been a softer time at the time your game was very much brute force it was lots of clicky three bets it was lots of kind of out positioning out maneuvering people right that game was the game to have back then in what way did that change yeah. over the course of the next couple of years well i mean back then um a lot of the players didn't understand a lot of concepts of poker and they're basically um looking at their cards and saying, I have this hand and this guy's putting this bet out there, so he has to have this, so I have to fold. Yeah, I remember, I, I mean, I didn't play as m many of those games as you or David did. I, I think I played about 2,000 of them lifetime. But uh, I, I came from a sit-and-go background, and there it, it was amazing to me, first of all, how many people didn't seem to understand the whole push-fold thing, which obviously all mm -hmm. the sit-and-go guys did, but these guys didn't seem to know. The other thing was uh, those 45 months were the first tournaments where I started min-raising. 
um, and people mm. would just fold their blinds every time. And it, right. the way I explained it to somebody was people were either interested or they weren't. And it didn't matter whether you 3x, 4x or, or min raised. Uh, right. they seemed, and they had very high fold to see about percentages. So they were really exploitable. Um, right. I think a lot of really good players came out of that scene. Uh, I'm certainly the first yeah, time yeah. I saw you. Yeah, I mean, there's a, and it's it's kind of funny. So like, yeah, I, I pretty much did extremely well in those things for I don't know how long, a, a couple of years. Um, but as as time went by, people are starting to recognize the success that I would have, and Lappin was David was doing pretty pretty darn well in them too. And they're sort of well, I need, I need to get in this game. And slowly but surely, the the forty five man sit and goes um, became like a red, a red field tournament and I started struggling. Um, all my little clicky and crazy and silly stuff um, was not working anymore because they understand ranges and they understand um, that I'm full of shit. <laughs> yeah, we had some really good players back then, like Vinky is still around, McLean Carr was killing it, Pimp and Dunks. So mm. many of the guys who went on to become really established pros over the next few years sort of that was their bread and butter game that was their bankroll build it up game mm, um, and, we, sure. and, and it, it was a lovely time until they got tougher and you're right our margins shrunk so so much around that 2009-2010 period we started having to look to other other games and other sources yeah I remember uh, as, right. they, I, as they got more difficult I had all the big winning players like yourself um, r- red tagged and, and, and the fish uh, yellow tagged and I had basically a rule that if there was more than a certain number of red players in the in a 45 man uh, I wouldn't register for it and it seemed there were more and more 45 men starting that I just couldn't register for because of that and you had another right, rule yeah. as well Dara didn't you you had a rule that if guys were talking in the chat box that meant they must be bad and you tagged them you tagged them as a fish is that right yeah I actually had <laughs> lap and ta- I actually had lap and tagged as a fish at the start because I think I must have uh, either I missearched on OPR or I just looked at his normal tournaments which I think his tournament results weren't great at the time rather than the 45 months but I actually had him fish tagged because the first time I ever encountered Lap and he started berating me uh, in the chat box oh yeah. yeah yeah well he dogged me so obviously I had to I had to give him a piece of my mind <laughs> but another and, you, and you, Nick you might be the most famous guy in the world for your chat box game which I think will blow people's minds when they realise that you're sometimes 30 and 40 tabling yet at the same time yeah. if someone says hey rounder 63 you're a dunk or something to that effect you're straight in there with a snap response yeah <laughs> yeah I mean it's it's pretty much it's pretty much the truth um people love talking to me people love saying stuff people like mentioning my weight I'm a, a bigger heavier guy and but you also have your own rounder speak that we all call it uh there are specific terms which have become fairly widespread now in the online community that that, that originated from you like like the word like lean I guess is one of yeah, the yeah. more famous ones could you explain to people what the lean is uh, lean is like it, it, it's actually comes from live poker. It's when like someone's sitting down in their chair and um, they're in a hand and they're they're playing and uh, you could look at them and they're they're getting all intense and they're all getting huffy puffy and they're all like trying to act and like mimic that they're strong and they're like grabbing their chips and they're like they shove all in and they, they lean back in their chair and sometimes they like they cross their hands over their shoulders and they try to look all tough like they're like they're <laughs> like God's gift to everything. I'm all in. And they're like they're just leaning back and they're just like, okay. And it's like and you when you play live you can sort of tell like, wait a minute, like all these other hands, you didn't do none of this, and now you just did that. Like, what are you? What are you doing? <laughs> okay, so about twelve months ago, you rose to your highest ever position, uh, number five in the Pocket Fives online rankings. 
a pretty special day played a big part in you getting there. Can you tell us what happened? It was, uh, it was basically, it was one crazy Sunday. I'll, I'll never forget that Sunday for, for a long time until there's another one, if there is another one. I was actually in a hotel room in Nicaragua and uh, only had my laptop. I didn't have a monitor or anything to work off and I went out and fired a bunch of tournaments on my laptop and I had uh, all my table stack and I was sure I was losing tables. I was sitting there and I had so many tables on my screen and uh, I, I final tabled, I don't know how many tournaments that day, but basically I, I, I won the brawl and I got third in the 100 degree. Uh, the brawl was really big. I don't know if something special was going on, but the brawl was like 52K for the win and the third for the, the 100 degree was like 35 or something. And then I had all these other like I, I had some other things I'd win a tournament for 5k but it was like it wasn't even it was like nothing compared to like everything else that had already happened that's an <laughs> amazing pretty, pretty that, that's an amazing day to have so uh, like a 100k day more or less yeah it was, 100, it was like 100k day yeah and while people listening are probably gobsmacked by those numbers and, and right they should be to get these kinds of highs means exposing yourself to potential lows in the last 12 months things haven't been so easy for rounder 63 how would you characterize online poker right now? Um, right now, the state of poker online is it's 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 uh, it's pretty tough. Um, a lot of if you go on Sharkscope and you look at a, a lot of old school regs that are long term winners or a large sample. Um, I mean, the the ones that haven't adapted like myself um, are not doing well. Um, they're they're just sitting there breaking even or or they're not printing like they were before. Is this, <laughs> is, is, this, is this the apocalypse now? Are we looking at the end game of, of online poker for all these the wall, top pros? The walls, the sky's falling. Um, if, if they want it to be, I think would be the answer to that. If, if, if you want, there, there's still money to be made out there. There's still, um, you can still make yourself better and, and focus and do everything that's important in poker to make yourself better. You need to have good game selection. You need to take care of yourself. You need to meditate. You need to eat well. You need to be mentally focused, physically focused. You need to take days off, Mister Rounder sixty three. You need to, <laughs> you need to cut tables. You need to, you need to do all the things um, that it takes to win. In terms of the future, Nick, uh, like say the immediate future, are you going to go to Vegas for the World Series this year? I, I, I actually really want to do that. Last The last, whatever, three years, I've um, stayed back and grinded, and it's been really lucrative. I mean, you could just tell the difference when everybody's gone. Like, online is soft, and you can make a lot of money. Um, but I, I don't know. I kind of I've kind of miss seeing everybody. I miss, like, playing tournaments in person. But, yeah, I, I would like to go to Vegas. I, I'm not sure uh, what's going to happen. And back to, like, that, that's where... Uh, that's where a lot of value is at right now, um, is live tournament grind. Before you go, I have to ask, I think you knew this was coming. Very famously, back in the day, you earned your way to a million full tilt points. What did you do with them? I spent it on Avatar. <laughs> so $5,000 wow. of equity that could have been used yeah. for tournament buy-ins or you could have bought a warehouse of full tilt branded clothing. You decided, <laughs> no, I want some pixels. Give me well, some pixels. Number number one, I already had a full full tilt clothing uh, closet full of clothes so I didn't really need to buy anymore and I already had all the electronics that they had on there and I felt that 
if people were able to see my cute, fat, chubby face, that would anger them enough to give me all their chips. And I really do think it gave me equity because back in the day, I don't know if some of the people don't remember remember now, but back in the day, Full Tilt had a program, Knock Out a Pro, you get a t-shirt. So I would have people call me all in with like 8-4 and like 9-6, like trying to get the t-shirt when there is no t-shirt and they, and they don't get the bounty money. They, I'm just the <laughs> person that spent five million, or, 5,000 point on a point. So it was, it was pretty hilarious. So I, I felt like I got all the equity back. You, sure. you, you, you do think you got it back? Because I remember being so <laughs> cross with you. I was like, Nick, you don't, ha- you don't have that much money this month. Do you really need to like use that money you know, to buy some tournament buy-ins or keep yourself afloat? And you were like, no, I want, I want this avatar. This is what I've been working for. <laughs> it'll, it'll live on for eternity. <laughs> okay, well, listen, thank you so much for joining us today, Nick Carrillo. Or Carrillo, Carrillo. Carrillo, Carrillo. Thank you, Nick Carrillo. <laughs> no problem. Daryl Carney, online is rigged. A phrase we often hear from uh, a live poker player who's maybe had a bit of misfortune when he's played uh, online. Uh, is online rigged? Um, I don't see why anybody belie- genuinely believes that online is rigged. I mean, what possible benefit is it, is it to the site that one player win and another player doesn't win? The, the site's getting the same fee from both players anyway, so it makes no difference. Okay, so if the site's not getting an advantage from that could players be um, well it's possible particularly in cash games that players can be colluding and you know sharing information or, or whatever but uh, to be honest you're probably safer online there because the sites um, have a lot of fraud detection uh, mechanisms in place and they're actually looking for that sort of thing so you can send off a, an email saying look I just feel like these two guys are playing a bit unusually against me can you just check maybe the, the last session of poker we played and they can go back through all the hands can't they They'll yeah just... yeah, they do they have specific fraud detection uh, departments and um, I've gotten and I'm sure you've gotten as often emails from Star saying we, we we discovered that certain players in your normal games were colluding against uh, you and other players and we have taken money from their accounts and we're refunding you the money Money that we, we believe uh, they wrongfully got from you. Yeah, and and in fact, uh, it's more likely, I think, that live is rigged in the sense that if there are players colluding against you, and I think this is a very small, like it obviously happens, but it's a tiny, tiny fraction of the time it happens. But if you say to the casino manager, hey, I think these two guys are, are playing a bit funky against me, it's not like they can go back and look at the cards, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I think you, it's, it's important when you play live to play somewhere that you trust. I mean, I've heard most of the cases that, that I've heard of Dodgy have been where guys have gone out abroad and they don't really know the local scene and they just go into the local casino and then afterwards they think, well, that was very strange. And it's possible that they've walked into a casino where there is something uh, not quite on the level. But I think, you know, if you're playing in Ireland, obviously uh, the casinos are all reputable. Um, but as you say, there, there, there is no comeback. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so online is not rigged. But live might be. Our next guest is a man we've bumped twice on this show already. Um, he, we we, we favoured Bex McAdam for him last week. Uh, Neil Channing, welcome to the Chip Race. Uh, you know, great to finally have you on. I'm very excited. I'm very pleased that you finally uh, couldn't get anyone better. <laughs> well, we were we we really wanted to have you on during the Irish Open because, of course, you're one of its winners. But you know, you're a busy man. It was difficult oh, to get yeah. you that week. I'd forgotten about that. <laughs> well, no, it was great. <laughs> yeah, you, that, you... Is a, that is a hectic weekend. Though. I mean, generally speaking, uh, there's normally at least ten people that say, "Oh, we should have you know when you're over in Dublin." And I, I normally only stay for like three nights. So uh, it's a question of how many dinners. I can, I'm having more and more dinners these days, but you can't have that many. Yeah, well, I remember on the vignettes that 
uh, Paddy Power commissioned to have on during the ad breaks of the live stream. Uh, one of them was you saying uh, you can't really remember the names of all the EPT winners anymore, but you can remember the Irish Open winners. Uh, I think pretty much hinting on your part, hinting to the fact that you're one of them and trying to make people nah. remember that because it no, was quite I, a while I, ago <laughs> now, in fairness. Yeah, it was quite a long time ago. But I mean, seriously, though, it is. I think it has that cachet. I mean, I don't know. Can you remember? I don't remember any of the Prague EPT winners, and I'm probably, I'm sure I probably know some of them. Uh, I probably staked some I, of them. I can vaguely. Uh, I might have done. Yeah, I can remember. I can remember some odd EPT winners. I can remember Toby Lewis won in in Portugal uh, because I know him, and there was only one ever one in Portugal, possibly. You know, obviously, I remember Vicky winning her ones. Uh, I remember Liv Marie winning in uh, in, Mon- in San Remo, but. Most of them, I can't connect the people with which ones they won. And if you, if you showed me like a list of 50 poker players and said, have they won an EPT or not, I, I wouldn't really be 80% confident on too many of them. And you won the uh, Open back in 2008, which I vividly remember because it was the very first Irish Open that I played. Um, how, how, how big of an impact did it have on your life at the time to win the Irish Open? Oh, enormous, yeah. I mean, it was... I didn't really realize the day before when I was going into the final with a, you know, quite a big chip lead, like half the chips. And, and Roland said to me, Roland DeWolf, he'd made the final the year before. Uh, and they'd done a, I think they did a four-way chop or something. And Marty Smith was the winner. Uh, but Roland said, you, you should get the title. Make sure whatever happens, you get the title because you will have no idea how much of an effect it will have on your life. And, uh, I don't know. I was kind of, uh, I was very much about getting the money. Uh, <laughs> and, and I definitely remember thinking, you know, you, you could really make this last for kind of 20 years and just pay yourself a salary for, you know, each year and whatever, uh, and invest it and all that kind of stuff. And is that and then what I you thought, did? Yeah, but, yeah, did I bollocks. <laughs> uh, you, you could definitely feel like, well, let me, let me, you know, there were games in those days where you could sit down with, it wasn't unrealistic to sit down with 50 grand on the table uh, and have a, have a kind of plus 25, minus 25 night. Uh, so I went down that route, really, uh, which, you know, obviously you need a fairly big tank for. Uh, so that was fun. In the run-up to the Open, um, uh, there was a story which circulated, I don't know whether it's true or not, but it certainly everybody said it that weekend, Probably. that you had bet on yourself before the tournament started to win the tournament. Um, uh, I didn't bet before it started. No, the, before it started, Paddy, uh, it was Paddy Power. They had the prices and they were, uh, you know, the prices were kind of stingy. We, we were thinking there was going to be six or seven hundred runners and there, there was ve- virtually nobody was less than 250 to one. Uh, and I was 200 to one, which I didn't think was like, you know, too far out really. I mean, uh, I felt like I was in the top kind of uh, quarter of the standard. Uh, of players, but I didn't really feel like I was in the top two percent or anything like that. There were some very good players in that tournament, um, but then when when we got to the end of day one, now there was only two hundred and forty people left, uh, and I had about two and a half times the average. Well, if there's two hundred and forty and we're all even, uh, then you know we should obviously be two hundred and thirty nine to one. I've got two and a half times the average. And, I, you know, I mean, I, I'm not, not being cocky, but I was a better-than-average player. Uh, so I kind of felt like 100 to 1 was a really big price. Um, so, yeah, I had 500 quid on. So, so it was about, what, six months ago, and you get a, you get a phone call from Rupert Murdoch, is that right? 
Oh, Sky, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, no, actually, it was it was literally the day that Black Belt Poker uh, ceased trading. Uh, I got a phone call from We were going to gloss over yeah, that. I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, sorry to hear your business is gone, but, uh, <laughs> you know, we, we, we've been... We'd been kind of meaning to ask you for ages if you'd want to come and represent us and be a brand ambassador. But obviously, uh, you know, you were running your own business, so we couldn't really do that. Uh, but now you're not. Uh, do you fancy doing it? And within and three thought, months, they took their main of... show off the air, am I right? And they had to reduce to just one night of Neil Channing? <laughs> well, no, I actually I actually kind of kept them waiting for a while. I said, because Blackboard Poker stopped about a year and a half ago. And I said, well... I just, I'm not sure that I want to kind of throw myself into that kind of thing. Uh, but, they, you know, they, they kept on badgering me. We flirted for a while. We dated for a while. We got engaged. And, uh, yeah, they, I've ruined their TV show. It's, uh, I mean, they, they had that shopping channel, 861, and um, it was it was basically a shopping channel for poker. I mean, there were some things about it that I absolutely loved. I mean, it was good to have regular poker on, you know, several nights a week. Uh, and obviously, uh, you know, the analyzing people's hands, some people really like that idea of playing on a table where their hand could be analyzed later on. Uh, there were bits of it, like they had a license to be a shopping channel. So now you, there were things you had to do. You literally had to say, come and play on Sky Poker like four times an hour and talk about the deposit bonus and all that kind of stuff. Uh, which, you know, for some people that were really regular viewers, it was quite boring, really. Uh, but, uh, no, was, I mean, you know, they, they, now it's on, uh, uh, they're making some programs for challenge TV and for, uh, Sky Sports 4. Uh, and it's on every Tuesday. I'll give it a quick plug. It's on every Tuesday at 10 o'clock on Sky Sports 4. And, uh, I think it gets like something like, uh, 40 times as many people watch it. So, uh, it's probably in terms of like getting new people to get involved in poker. I think Sky Sports 4 is quite a good thing, you know, it's, it's it's pretty. I mean, it's pretty good that Sky Sports give up that time. They don't they don't own all of Sky Poker, so they're kind of doing them a favour, I guess. Yeah, I think it's a good way to to, to spread the game out. Um, you mentioned we well we actually glossed over Black Belt there, but some of my favourite memories from um, Las Vegas are going out to the Black Belt House and and the party that you used used to throw it every year. I presume you're going to Vegas this year. Uh, what are your plans for Vegas? And do you have any tips for anybody who's going out? Definitely going to go to Vegas. I'm I'm not going to go. I like. I've been every year to the World Series since '97. I never played an event until 2001. Uh, but once I played the first event, I was totally hooked. And I thought they'd got me for life, and I would never ever miss. And last year with the World Cup and all that kind of stuff, and lots of sports betting, I just thought I'm going to miss it this year. I did miss it actually. When it got to the main event, I was sad that I wasn't there. Uh, I don't think I want to go and do a whole summer and do seven weeks of the slog in the 1500 tournaments, particularly if no one's going to talk and everyone's going to take eight minutes over every decision. (laughs) Uh, So I think, you know, the main event, there's been years. I can't really, I couldn't stop myself doing it at the time, but there's definitely been years when I know I haven't been at my best by the time we got to the main event and I'm tired and I've been there a long time and I've played a lot of tournaments. I, I'm going to enjoy this year coming in quite late, quite fresh, and looking around at some of those zombie faces. Do you know that movie, um, uh, Dawn of the Dead, the zombie film? Yeah. Uh, yeah. George Ramirez. Yeah. Uh, I often think when you know, people are walking down those corridors in the Rio, stag- staggering towards the, the Amazon room, 
it reminds me of the zombies going into the shopping mall in that movie and like yeah. And people, like, people often say to me, what's it like to be out there? And I say, it, it, for me, it's the incredible contrast between the start of the summer where everybody looks healthy and everybody's full of optimism and they're bouncing <laughs> and around and really happy. Yeah. And then you come back six weeks later and the same people literally look like the living dead. Um, and that's, they that, really that, that's do. What it and, you know, if you just want to, if, if you want to see what somebody looks like when their makeup bill has reached the absolute maximum, <laughs> that's what you just need to come in at the end of June. <laughs> they know they need to come and live to the World Series made event to get out of it. That's yeah. like that's or, or or when you need cool. one of your horses but, to find uh, the table domain to get all your horses out of it. <laughs> oh my God! Don't say that. I mean, we did with Blackbird. I mean, I, I, I don't. I know you probably haven't got long enough podcasts to talk that long about Blackbird, but it, I, like the one of the maddest things we did was that when we did the grading, and uh, you know we put people through a month of online trials. And then said, right, we'll take them to Vegas. And the first time we did it, we put eight people into 20 grand worth of tournaments, plus the main event, plus we rented a house for 40 grand in Vegas uh, for a month. And I know Kevin Williams is very appreciative of that, those years. On that project. It was mental. And he, wasn't, he didn't actually get to go the first year. The first year was the year when we really were throwing money around. I mean, that was unbelievable, the money we put into that. Uh, yeah, I think at the time, the people that tried out for it, they they didn't realize. Everyone, had, I mean, I guess it was the time, you know, in Ireland itself, the Celtic Tiger, and you know, everybody, and in England, you know, the poker was still, you know, we were still living off the money maker effect and whatever, and nobody realized. Like, I haven't seen anyone do anything like that since, and I kind of feel like no one's ever going to do anything like that again. It was fun. It was a fun <laughs> thing, but it was pretty mental. Well, finally, before we let you go, any tips for people, uh, you know, going out to Vegas maybe for the first I've time? I've got, I've got a Vegas tip. I'll, I'll tell you in the form of a story. I hope you've got time for this because it's a slightly long one. So I have a friend. I'll, I'll name him. He's called Les. And uh, if he's listening, I love you, Liz. Get in touch, mate. He broke up. Uh, he broke up with some girl, and he was very upset. And he's always been a, a very successful sports gambler. He built up a large bankroll sports gambling, and he liked poker as well. I met him through poker, and um, he uh, he said, "You know what? I need a break. I can't. I can't. I, I keep thinking of it. I want to just get away." And I should have told him it's a stupid idea because. I think Vegas is not a good place to be. If you, this is a big tip, actually. It's not a good place to be if your head's not right. If you feel like you're going there, you know, and you're not really uh, very level, I, I think it's a bad place to go, actually. But anyway, he, he decided he would go and live in Vegas for a while. So he rented an apartment over there, and he moved over there, and basically he'd done his money. Uh, and he'd done it in a horrible way. He'd done a lot of money. And uh, I, I saw him. I went out there a few months later, and... Uh, He'd been kind of flying back and forward and staying for a few months at a time. And uh, he, this time, I could tell it was going quite badly. And I, there was a big tournament on the Bellagio. And uh, I said to him, well, of course, uh, you know, you, you can always eat for free when the tournament's on. That'll save you a bit of money. So he said, what's that all about? So I don't know whether you used to play those Bellagio tournaments when they used to be really popular. Yeah. They have tournaments at noon. Uh, and there was a dinner break. It wasn't, it wasn't until quite late. It was like 9.40. Uh, and generally it would be with two tables left. So there might be 400 people in the tournament, and the Bellagio would treat you all to a buffet. Uh, and the guy, Tang, that works for, and used to work for the Bellagio, he would, he would lead everybody across from the poker room uh, to the buffet. Uh, so my mate, Les, who's, uh, who's a, a, a ginger-haired fella, he, um, he, I said to him, like, all you've got to do, turn up, 
uh, at the Bellagio at noon, have a quick look around, see who's in the tournament, make a note of one name, uh, and then, because people didn't realise, you were entitled to the free buffet if you played in the tournament. You didn't actually have to make the last two tables. But generally speaking, if you bust at kind of one o'clock, you weren't going to come back for the buffet at 8.40. So uh, I said, just go back at 8.40, take the name of, of a person who was in the tournament, make sure they're not still in the tournament, and uh, follow the other players across when Tang's leading you all across. Get into the line, and if anyone asks you your name, just say the name of that guy, and the people at the buffet have a list of all the people that played the tournament that day, and they're entitled to a free buffet. So uh, I see him, uh, the, the next trip I get to Vegas, another tournament on the Bellagio, and I said, uh, how are you doing? He said, no good, no good. I said, well, at least, you know, you've got another two weeks of free buffets every day. He said, oh, that's the best tip ever. He said, that's brilliant. He said, I've been eating like a king. I said, well, as your buffet every single day, I go over, I go at 12, I've got my routine, I go at 12, I play a little bit of high-low in the afternoon, then I go back, see who's left in the tournament, make sure it's not one of my names, and then I go and queue up, and then occasionally they ask me, and I can give the name. And I said, well, who do you pick? What's, what name do you go for? He said, Phil Ivey. okay 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 it's time for our weekly quiz are you ready neil seven questions well you know i'm i'm I'm, it's been a long interview but i'm ready yes (laughs) okay well here we go age 42 this dublin born man has won both a wpt and wsop bracelet who is he oh my god age 42 dublin born as a WPT and a WSOP. It's kind of a trick question. Uh, well, yes, I'm feeling like it's, this guy isn't living in Ireland. He's not known as an Irish person, but I still can't think of it is. I see you've got that patter to keep the stalling going so you get more time than anyone else has ever had. <laughs> I was really thinking, no, I, I'm sure it's someone that isn't known as an Irish person, but I can't think. Okay, the, the answer is Phil Lack. At the last Irish ah, Open... That is annoying. I was kind of on the right track. But yeah, <laughs> At the last Irish Open, yeah. who was the highest placed English player? In the, in the Irish Open that we just had? Just gone. Uh, oh, my gosh. Well, the camel did quite well, but I don't know whether anyone... Uh, Simon Dedman. Correct, Simon Dedman. One out of Simon two. Simon Dedman, yes. Who won the recent oh, Sky geez. UK Poker Championships held at dusk till dawn? The, the Sky one? Yeah. The people who pay uh, your wages. The, uh, the Fraser, Fraser, fun with Fraser. It was Fraser McRecky. No, going to need a surname. Fraser, Fraser, uh, oh, that's bad. I mean, do you know what? He was on my bad. table in that tournament. Sorry, I forgot his name. That's really bad. Considering your contract. Fraser, right? anyway. I just know him as fun with Fraser. Yeah, it's Fraser Bellamy. We're going to have to... We'll have Fraser to... Bellamy. Oh, my gosh. That's terrible. At Showdown, Sorry, what are the chances of kings cracking aces when the two kings are different suits to the aces? Is it A, 17.5%, oh, B, 18.75%, or C, 19.8%? Oh, my gosh. Uh, so the two kings are different suits to the Jesus, aces. Jesus, this is going to take longer and than the interview. What was the, middle, what was the middle one again? Uh, 18.75%. That's, I'm going to go for that, 18.75%. You are correct. 
Which American comedian said, last night I stayed up late playing poker with tarot cards. I got a full house and four people that died. Stephen Wright. Correct. That's so lovely. Sorry, I ruined the joke. Uh, I, uh, that's okay. He said, uh, he, I can tell you another Stephen Wright joke, which is, uh, um, he says, uh, yeah, I bought my uh, grandmother a rocking chair that leans forward so she can feign interest in any conversation. Very good. You delivered it just as well as he ever did. Uh, according to the Hendon Mob, <laughs> according to the Hendon Mob, who is cash for more money in live tournaments, Neil Channing or Ram Vaswani? Uh, I'm I'm nearly catching him, but I think he's still in front of me. I think I'm slightly behind him. You're right quite now. right. Ram has three point five million to your three point four in two thousand and eight. I'm bitter about it. <laughs> in two thousand and eight, the year you won the Irish Open, were you one of the top thirty cashers in the world? Over the whole year? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was. Yeah, yeah. You were. You were 27th. Okay, Neil. Pretty good. I think you might be the record holder now. I did kind of really? expect that from you, well, though. I mean, yeah, I think you got... I can't believe I forgot Fraser Billum. Yeah, we're not giving so you bad. Fraser, I'm afraid. Like... Five out of seven. That is easily the best. And some of the people you get on this programme as well. I mean, I'm pretty much guaranteed to win it. Well, look, Neil, <laughs> a pleasure as always to tug on your coat about all things poker. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Um... It's been, it's been great no to chat. Don't worry. Take care. Cheers. Thanks, Dave. <laughs> great. Playing us out now is a London-based rock and roll three-piece who've been creating an unapologetic driving sound since 2011. I recommend you just sit back and enjoy this wicked cover of a Khalees song. This is Snack Family and Trick Me.
thank you to Jason, Nick and of course Neil. If you enjoyed Snack Family, their new limited edition CD, Pokey Eye, is available to purchase through their website at snackfamily.co.uk. Also, I want to give a shout out to my good friend Ray Kane, who made the music video for that song, which you can see on the Snack Family YouTube channel. We'll be back next week with the Jam Pack show that includes interviews with school teacher and poker enthusiast, Annette O'Carroll, and Ireland's winningest player, Andy Black. Until then, from the two Daras and myself, good night and good luck. (laughs) 